Um, we unapologetically acted with love in this scenario and said, we will welcome whatever God presents us, uh, despite knowing the risks or maybe perhaps being too um, naive, of naive them. to know the risks. We willingly stepped into that opportunity and we said, and this is the thing that I think um, a friend said this to me and and I didn't believe it, but I do now. And our, my friend said, "We love you were willing to say, we love you and you're welcome here at the expense of our own heartbreak. We were ready to say that to a complete stranger at the time. And so what that did is it, it made us say, oh, my gosh, we want to be parents. I'm Lauren. And I'm Scott. And we're the Reedies. That's right. Reedy spelled ready. It's a pun. One I've heard my entire life. So much so that we've decided to make it a thing. Ready, ready or, or not. not. On this podcast, we'll share our journey to becoming adoptive parents while also running a business together. It may not be easy, but you can bet we're ready or not. Hello and welcome back. Episode two of Ready or Not, a podcast about growing your family and your business. Recorded right here in our closet studio in Midtown Memphis. I love this cozy closet studio. Max is asleep again and we're back at it, this time sharing more about our adoption journey. As we mentioned last time, this season is focused on our journey to adoption and kind of the nuances and things we encountered along the way. Oh, so many things. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is all about the leap, the decision to adoption. The leap. It was quite a leap. The decision, how it happened, what we did to get ready. Pun intended. Mm, puns. <laughs> puns. <laughs> Every time. I know. It's just great. I, see, I haven't been doing it for 32 years. I've only been doing it for almost seven. It's still fun to me. So we're going to be very open in this episode talking about, you know, kind of this journey and uh, finances. We'll get into the, some of the details because... Scott's favorite topic. Financials, absolutely. I'm a super nerd about financials. But uh, we'll get we'll get into some of the details and, and be pretty open about it uh, just because we were not able to find much information. So we want a little bit of information to be out there about what we found and how that's structured and how all that works. And, and what worked for us, which may not work for you, which may not have worked for your friends that adopted... But we're sharing it anyway, and I think it's really important to note as we head into this next segment that we're about to get vulnerable. We're about to expose our hearts here. So here we go for the first segment, Ready Home. All right, so throwing it back to August 2017, we talked about on the last episode how we announced our infertility struggles on a blog post on Lauren's blog and wow did we get an outpouring of, of support so much support it was really overwhelming and so in I'm a good way I'm gonna read just a bit from the end of that blog this was Lauren and I we wrote it together and this was the the very end of it here so in a few months we will explore our next steps we're open to family in whatever form that takes for us and we'll continue to pray and discern what's next in the meantime, we embrace what we've got now. Our family is full of people in our lives. Our kids are, in many ways, our godchildren, and the relationships with mentees and other kids formed in the last few years. We've got this, and God's got our back. Yeah! We wrote that. Yes. Together. Yes. So we were kind of dealing with that heartbreak in that moment, but being like, you know what? We, we are happy with what we got now, 
but we're just going to be aware of what's open to us. And, you know, I think at the time, and it's still, I still believe it to be true because we have a family, uh, a tribe, uh, whatever you want to call the crew that surrounds us and supports us with Max. But we had that before. And in many ways, we found the same fulfillment, maybe not necessarily as deep as we do now with family. Uh, Family was just not defined by blood. And guess what? It's still not defined by blood. <laughs> so uh, that was a, like a hopeful message that we wrote, Scott. Man, yes. we should write yes. more. We should write together more. So we published this blog. It went out in the world. And then out of the blue, a couple months later, a friend reached out and contacted us about a, ch- a child who had already been born who was needing an adoptive family. And that threw us into we're not going to go into a lot of those details. That will be for another episode. But I do have to say one thing about this. That's like the funniest, weirdest conversation Scott and I've ever had in person. Um, This friend texted me and said, do you happen to know a couple that might be interested in adopting a baby? And (laughs) in our open office, thank you to our employees that listened to this conversation at the time. But in our open office, I said, Scott, do we know a couple that's interested and adopting a baby, and you said... I just leaned back in my chair, and I look at her like, us? Question mark? Hadn't we talked about this? Is that us? Are we interested? It was like a soft maybe, yeah, let's do it. And so So um, we did that. We went into that full force. We actually went as We guarded our hearts as much as we could. To some degree. (laughs) We tried. I mean, we tried, but We we ended up actually meeting that child, thinking they were going to be our child held that baby and and met them and and visualized that child in our life yeah and had some real things and then almost just as quickly um you know at just after we met that that child around thanksgiving of 2017 that was all taken away um the people who were putting up for adoption backed out for a variety of reasons but which is probably better in the end for everyone which is something that i can say now (laughs) sure yeah easier in retrospect um but it it hit us pretty hard at that moment yeah, and I think the thing about that is uh, we really went through some very tough couple of weeks of heartbreak, which we're going to spend a whole episode on failing and failure and what that feels like. Because it wasn't our only one. No, it wasn't. Spoiler alert. Um, but that heartbreaking pro- process actually did something for the both of us that we didn't realize. And that was that we discovered very quickly that we were ready to be parents. Um, We unapologetically acted with love in this scenario and said, we will welcome whatever God presents us, uh, despite knowing the risks or maybe perhaps being too um, naive naive to know the risks. We willingly stepped into that opportunity. And we said, and this is the thing that I think um, a friend said this to me, and and I didn't believe it, but I do now. And my friend said, we love you were willing to say we love you and you're welcome here at the expense of our own heartbreak we were ready to say that to a complete stranger at the time and so what that did is it it made us say oh my gosh we want to be parents and we want to be parents more than i thought yes it <laughs> you was, always it did. was the first time that we both together made the dis- i mean we were going to have that child in a couple a week or By two christmas or I mean, the new it, year it was going to be quick yeah. Uh, and so we had decided, we <laughs> yes, we will do this together. And sort of, um, I think Lauren described it best um, shortly after that, when she said, I put the mom glasses on and I could never take them off again. Yeah, those mom glasses, if you've worn them, dude, if you're listening, you know what I mean. Those glasses just, you can't take them off. You see the whole world differently. And I saw the whole world as a mom, but I wasn't a mom yet. 
and but I am now. Yay, Max. Yay, Max. Keep sleeping. So after about a month of mourning that heartbreak, um, we did decide to take the leap to go for it. And we're like, we're going to do this the whole way. We're going to start doing our homestay. We're going to start this process and we're going to do it for real. And so <laughs> we decided for all of the listeners out there to create seven easy steps to adoption right here. Please note our sarcasm, easy <laughs> steps to adoption. But here's what worked for us. And I want to disclaimer the heck out of this and say this worked for us. It might work for you. It might not work for you. But it's something that we think we should share. So step one, Scott. Connecting with a social worker in your area. Ooh, how this did we find ours? I think in the first adoption, she was recommended to us by someone, either through the lawyer. I think it was through a lawyer. Her name is Marlene Siegel. We'll have her on in another podcast to uh, answer some questions about the adoption process from a professional. She's been doing it for 30 plus years. If you have questions, please send questions to feedback at readyornotpodcast.com. Please do. Please do. Um, We will ask her those questions. So we found a social worker. Um, This seemed to be the best thing for us because we weren't quite ready to pick an agency because picking an agency is a lot like picking a spouse or a date or a... Well, I'm like, not making a Tinder it, reference, it, it, by the way. I've it, never used that. <laughs> it's like it's like picking it. I think it's like picking a dating website because yeah. when you get involved with an agency, like you're like you do a lot of things and you're kind of in a lot of ways tied to that agency. You're not completely, but in a lot of ways you are. Yeah, so There's we usually some money exchange or things like that. We were non-committal. Yeah, non-committal. We found our own social worker and we started the homestead process. We still had to pay for the homestead process, of course. And speaking of homestead, that's step two. Yes. Step two of the process. Homestead. And that... Uh, this is the process of hard. them looking into every part of your life. Ooh, asking all kinds of questions. Good in all the ways when you think about it, but also very intrusive when you're going through it. What's your relationship like with your sister? How about your brother-in-law? Where did your parents your go to college? Where did your dad go to college? What year did he graduate? I don't know. Fingerprints, background checks, filling out every place you've lived in the last five, seven, ten years. I don't remember. References from your church, your pastor, a volunteer, a friend, and a co-worker. <laughs> 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 and yes. a partridge in a pear tree. And then the social worker also, we met with her on multiple occasions, a couple times together, a couple times individually. I w- by the way, just disclaimer. I was nervous about the separate meetings. I don't know why. <laughs> I just, I Got to talk to us individually and make sure we're both on board. I know. I guess we had to. We like had to make sure that we were on the same page. Yes, they and, were very basic meetings, but yeah. you, you talk through kind of rehashing your life. The social worker, the, you know, the, what if she's doing during that home study process is they are putting together a report that will be filed with the court to give kind of a sense of who you are. What your life has been and your readiness to... <laughs> Pun. Ready or not. Readiness, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just going <sighs> to... I don't gonna, even notice. Uh, we'll get to season two before I think that's not funny. <laughs> um, your readiness to have <laughs> a child in your life. When we filled out um, our paperwork about the kind of child that we were willing to receive. Yeah, this is an interesting one. You do have to have deep discussions about choosing... Um, you know, what your baby's going to be and what you're looking for. And Which is so weird because like you don't get that decision when you have a biological child. Well, you just... there are some things that are known with a biological <laughs> child. Like yeah. Um, but, you know, things like everything from you can choose the sex of the baby if you want to. You can choose, um, you know, the their, race, the, race. the ethnicity, the part of the country, the 
gosh, I mean, amount of disabilities, drug exposure, all these boxes. All these boxes you have to check one way or the other, yes or no. Um, there's no, like, maybe, not really. So, I mean... We didn't check any... We there, didn't uncheck any boxes. Is that right? Yeah. There were a couple major... Yeah, we said that... I mean, it was a tough conversation, but we said that we were open to everything once presented with enough information to make a decision. Yes. We didn't um, say no to drug exposures or to Which, by the way, other in a later podcast, we'll explain or, why that's a good thing. Or deformities right. or anything like that. It's so hard to have been through a heartbreak of saying yes to welcoming this person as your child and then fill out a form where you, in in a way, get to pick what you get. Uh, we just didn't feel like we could pick. We wanted to be open to whatever God meant for us to have. Um, but it was a conversation that was weird. <laughs> yes. And I'm sure people have all kinds of reasons for choosing what they choose. And those are and, for and them. That's not a judgment. I need to make that clear, too. I'm not judging anyone for choosing and checking and unchecking or whatever. It is It is not... Uh, you know, we're not saying that we were open to anything just to be like, look at us. It's just it was a tough conversation to have. We talked about every category and every single one, and we just decided one by one. And ultimately what we got back to and what I think is written in our home study is that we want as much information as is available, which varies, and we'll make a decision at that time. And that's that's kind of what we went with. And that's what we were going to go for with. Um, you know, when we applied to agencies and but that's that's what we put in our home study. And we survived. It took about three months to complete. And actually, the last two weeks were really our fault that it took so long. I forget what the process was. We had some final paperwork to put in. There's a lot of boxes to check. <laughs> it was an something endless dumb. number of It was boxes. something really dumb that we had to get done that yeah. we did it. And that's why it took so long. But it can take it can take anywhere from a month to six months to an entire year, depending how quickly you move and how fast you get things. And I will say that in addition to those meetings, it involved one home visit at our condo back when we lived in downtown Memphis. Yes. Now, the uh, for most people, the boxes to check on your home visit are not insurmountable. They are pretty straightforward. But there are a few oddities. If you happen to live in a third floor condo, you yes, need an escape ladder. Because you need two exits. Back of your condo. We only had one exit. We only had one. So we got a ladder. This is pretty bad as like adults. We did not own a fire extinguisher. Well, there was one in the hallway, but we, we had, had to have one in the unit. We had to have unit. one in the unit. So yeah. those are two random things, um, but also kind of cute. Scott went around the entire condo and put those little covers over all the outlets. <laughs> and I bought the book. That Dra was a fun day. I bought the book Dragons Love Tacos because I wanted our home study to include the fact that we were fun and that we like Taco Tuesday. And so, yes. Yeah, so um, I want to talk about step three, but I think we should probably take a break and we'll come back after this quick, quick, quick message from our sponsors to talk about steps four through seven and three. <laughs> Math is hard <laughs> <laughs> to talk about steps two, three, three through seven and uh, and give you a little bit more information about our financial situation. So we'll be right back. noticed how small businesses and nonprofits are posting videos on social media these days? Every day thousands of them are sharing video content. 
But did you know you don't have to spend a fortune to invest in video for your brand? Forever Ready Productions is here to help you out. We make your work stand out while telling your story, but most importantly, getting it done in time to have an impact. For more information, visit foreverreadyllc.com. And welcome back. Technically speaking, we're in our second segment at the Ready or Not podcast, which is Ready Work, but we've hijacked this entire episode to just share seven simple, easy steps towards adoption. Easy. I swear. (laughs) So where we leave off? Step three. (laughs) Step three. This one's kind of fun. Notifying family. This is an interesting one for us because obviously we had a quick first one where we pretty much didn't notify anybody until we got really close to it really close to the actual like meeting of the baby. Um, but I think the more traditional way and the better way is how we approached it after that first heartbreak during this home study process. Yeah. Um, we just notified really close friends and family. Um, this is something that, again, this I said, some things will work for you and some things won't. But for us, because we went through that heartbreak of, the first failed we didn't want to tell the whole world like we're adopting and put this cute like announcement photo out there like like we were pregnant um we didn't want to do that and so we just really close family members friends and we run a business together a video production company in midtown memphis at crosstown concourse and we did need to notify some of our very close clients um, and begin introducing them to our staff because we knew that at some point we would be suddenly gone for a little bit of time. And so it it was a small group of people that knew about it. When telling people about the various stages of the adoption process, uh, one thing we found in common with everybody is everyone got really invested and was gung-ho about supporting us and being there for us and very much getting themselves emotionally invested. And so with the heartbreak of that first one, the second time around, we were just very careful to, you know, take our time in telling people um, who were involved and who were extra close to us and could handle kind of that emotional toll because they would get themselves emotionally invested and then experience that heartbreak too. So it was it was a lot about protecting their, their hearts. hearts too. Yeah, their hearts. And I think that's something that we didn't realize until we saw how heartbroken our family was when the first one didn't work out. Um, and, and some of our close friends that we talked to, you know, they were also invested. And then to, to add to it, people are so excited for you that they constantly ask you, what's next? How's it going? Any news? Um, because they don't know what you're doing behind the scenes. They don't live in the day to day. Yeah. And so the more people you tell that you're adopting, the more people ask about your adoption and the more you get or at least I shouldn't say you, I'm I'm saying it's everybody feels the same way. The more I felt like, stop asking me, I'll tell you when there's an update. (laughs) Right? I mean, so um, the notifying of friends and family in step three, I think, is something that's important to decide with your your spouse or partner what you want to do, who you want to notify. If you want to do an announcement like you're pregnant, that's so awesome. In fact, in many ways, I feel like we were robbed of that. We never got to make that announcement. Um, 
until we had a baby for three weeks. You just really want to put that bun in the oven or something. I just wanted to do some punny thing and we never did it. But it's fine because um, we have our son. So that's something you really it's up to the individual couple what they want to do. And from a business perspective, um, you know, our varying is when we had big projects that we knew were coming. Some of those clients knew what was up if it became relevant, um, especially as we got deeper into it. Um, from a regular day-to-day employer that I had is I just kind of gave them a heads up is this is what we're doing. I don't know what the timeline is. I don't know what's going on, but this is coming. And I got incredible support. I hope people have the support that I got from my employer and from my boss about adoption. He said family's number one, and you just let us know what needs to happen. Which is incredible. Um, And I hope that whoever's listening to this, that they work at a place that is nice enough and human enough to think of that and to understand that you don't know when you're going to get the call and you don't know how long you're going to be gone. But the best you can do is once you get approved and um, and if you get matched is prepare and tell enough people so that you can slip away. And so I think with that, we go on to step four, which was actually kind of fun, I think, but we didn't really do it till the weekend before we met our son. Gathering the items needed for the child to arrive in your home. Yeah. Get stuff. <laughs> it's kind Have of... baby, get stuff. Yeah. But in this case, it's get stuff before the baby. <laughs> right. It's And it's um, if you do a big announcement, and some people might sh- throw you a shower like you would if you were pregnant, um, which is cool. But if you're like us um, and you don't want to tell the whole world that you're having a baby or you're adopting, excuse me, <laughs> you don't want to tell the whole world that you're adopting just yet, but you know you need some things. Um, so we bought a pack and play. Like I said, we bought Dragons Love Tacos and some other children's books, including Guess How Much I Love You, which we packed. Uh, Guess How Much I Love You, which we packed on our on our trip uh, to meet Max. And uh, what else did we get? Uh, we had a friend who gave us a car seat that they were not using because their child had grown out of it. Um, that's an important one. You have to go get that baby somewhere. <laughs> Um, so making sure. You, so we had that. We would have bought it if they didn't have it, but luckily oh, we I bought that. a diaper bag. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, we had that diaper bag for like months, but for some reason I just liked it, and it was not on sale. But I bought it because I think I wanted it to be more real. And then uh, you can decide whether you put those things up as a reminder that you're preparing your heart and your home for a child, or you can keep them in a closet and wait until you get the call to set them up. Or you can keep them on an Amazon wish list or another <laughs> wish list of some kind <laughs> yes. so that they don't show up and fill up space in your house until you need them. Yes, yes. Um, so that's step four. And then step five, uh, some people start with step five as their first step, but we already talked about this, choosing an agency. The agency step was hard. Uh, this was one that I'm kind of the researcher of the two of us. So I was out there on the internet surfing around, checking everybody um, and figuring out what the payment structures were, what the co- total cost was, what their policies were. There is all kinds of things that these uh, agencies have in their policies about how these adoptions work. When yeah. you get repaid, if it falls through, how much you get back. If you do. Yeah, if you get paid back. Some make you sign a form of Christian faith, like a testi- uh, a testimony of faith, yes. if, they're, if they are a religion-limited organization not all are um, um, and for us we were like going into it trying to be really choosy in fact i told our social worker well we're not going to pick a specific any any agency that discriminates we don't want an agency that discriminates and then she's she's just nicely and calmly looked over at me and said lauren 
this is not a time to be choosy if you, you may have to choose your battles. Yeah. So we tabled it, but we did, it was something that we were certainly aware of. in the back of our mind. We wanted to pick an agency that would welcome all loving parents to be adoptive parents. Um, and we got overwhelmed at that process. I think we were approved in March. And we were just like, I don't know where to start. We sent a couple of applications in. We rewrote all the answers to everything that was already written on our home study like 85 times. Yeah. Make copies of everything you write down because all of the agencies have basically the same information in a completely different format. We really, we should, that's our next business plan. We're going to come up with some way to streamline the process so you don't have to fill out 85 of the same forms. And they are definitely not, at least when we did it, they were not fillable forms. So you had to print them and write them out. Yeah, it's 2018, people. Do an online Google sheet or something. So we put together paperwork (laughs) for, I think, three agencies in total. Uh, we sent the first one off and we're like, ready. I, a- I had asked a question like, hey, ready. Where, do I send, <laughs> where do I send the application fee was the email that I wrote along with, here's all the documents. Where do I send the application fee? And we didn't hear from them. And I never got a response back. And Until so, after we got Max, which is Yeah. Fun. This was like three, four months later that email was like, hey, do you want to follow up on this? I'm like, hey, sorry, I got a baby. Um, but um, another one we just didn't send in because, you know, some of the deposits to get signed up are really high. The application fees can be $750. I was going to say, I think $1, one application fee was $1,200. And we were like, wow, we need to really make sure we like this agency and we feel good about it. So picking an agency is hard. And everybody that I ask and everywhere I went had different answers and different. Um, not everybody was open with sharing, but we're going to share. We chose Abby's One True Gift. Um, they based, are a national of, agency. Yep, based out of Central Iowa. Based out of Central Iowa, and we just got a good vibe. That's well, th- they were they were recommended to us by our social worker in a random call. She said, "Hey, call Abby's. They have some some uh, you know adoptions coming up. They don't have match. They don't have matched up yet, and so give them a call." And so we gave them a call, and we got a good vibe. Um, I'm from Iowa originally. I'm right, I'm from that that same city, um, Des Moines, Iowa. So like. I felt comfortable with them. I felt like they were taking care of us. Their policies were really good. Yeah. Um, it was know. all really clear. I should note that adoption, obviously, is uh, there's never ideal scenarios because if a mother finds out she's unexpectedly pregnant, that's not something that is easy. And typically, if the mother doesn't think they can keep the child, um, the circumstances aren't great either. And so there are a lot of unknowns, even with how great an agency does to screen mothers, and that's the wrong word, but even how great an agency does to um, get information from a birth mother, the circumstances are still not ideal, no matter what the circumstances are. And so all agencies and all social workers have quite a task to be able to work both sides of the equation, both the birth mother's and the adoptive families. Yes, those the birth mothers uh, they do try to interview them and you know make sure that they're all in, that they're serious about this, they're, that they're not you know one way or the other on it, um, and going back and forth. And but there, it is this is a high risk scenario. There are lots that fail. I think one of the stats I saw was forty percent or sixty percent of them fail. And um, a lot of people don't talk about those because their hearts yeah. are broken and and because um, you know they don't want to ruin their chances of not getting a call. Yeah. I mean, we had we had two, two out of three. Yeah. Fail. Two out of three. And we'll talk yeah. about that in another episode called Failures. Uh, let's move on to step six. Wait. And wait. And wait. And wait. And wait. 
one of the things that I had in our house in like 85 places was there's wonder in the waiting. I believe that to be true even now. But we tried to find wonder in all the things that we did in our daily lives. And it helped, but it still sucked. Like to have a Mother's Day where I wasn't a mother, that was really hard. And to have another holiday where you weren't a dad was really hard. But then you get to step seven. Remember, these are seven easy steps. Yep. <laughs> step seven, get getting paired with a birth mother. So how this generally works with an agency, and it varies a little bit by agency, but uh, essentially you get approved with the agency and they have your profile and they know about you and your uh, spouse and they present your case if their child and background fits the steps that you put together in the early in one of the earlier steps, all of the criteria, I should say. Uh, they present you and a bunch of others to this birth mother and she decides, um, you know, is this a match for me? Do I feel like this profile fits the type of life I feel like I'm going to see for my child? Uh, and if that, if that is the case, then she, you know, kind of picks one, two or three and, you know, picks those and then has a short, we had a short phone call with the birth mother and we talked to her and the birth father in this scenario because he was in the picture too. We had an, an interview with them. We talked through what we were thinking. They asked questions um, and just kind of starting to build that relationship because as most adoptions now are some degree of open. Um, so there will be some long-term relationship that will need to be formed there. And that first call is the beginning of that relationship. And if, sh if they feel good about you and you feel good about them, then you go on to the next step. You get matched up and you go down the real path um, of, you know, all of the money going in and all of the planning and waiting with specific dates and specific things and building that relationship and all those different things. And the worry, the worry that it won't work out, the worry that the birth mother will um, have the child and change their mind as birth mothers do and have the right to. Um, there's worry that goes along with that. But you hope that you can build some kind of relationship with this stranger who then will feel comfortable giving their child to a stranger. And in a lot of ways, you become family forever at that point. Yeah. And I, I mean, depending on, the degree of, depending on the degree of openness, you just expand your family that day. Um, and yeah, you do. Because that birth mother will always be important to that child. And to, to us or to you as a, as a couple, because that birth mother is the reason why you are a parent. And that birth mother chose to keep their child, which is not easy these days. And so... Um, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when you think about it all. We have given you seven easy steps. I hope you're taking notes at home. But just to recap, in case you aren't, step one, connect with a social worker in your area. Step two, the home study process and all that entails. Step three, notify friends, family, and work. Step four, gathering the items needed for the child to be in your home. Step five, choosing an agency. Step six, wait and wait and wait. And step seven, getting paired with a birth mother. It's just that simple, people. Why don't you do it? You got it. Ready or not. Uh, briefly, because we've taken up so much time explaining this, I want to touch on finances because you mentioned that the fees were $28,000 for and our agency. And that varies by agency. Some are higher, some are lower, some have variability based on the case. There's all kinds of different things. And since money grows on trees, it was so easy to do. Wait. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, I, I won't go into, there are there are an array of different ideas for raising money for your adoption. Um, obviously, saving it yourself all the way to um, finding generous people to give you some. Uh, we had a blend of those, 
and every case is going to be different. So I won't go into those details, but um, I will say that there are lots and lots of costs to think about. The main thing is obviously the cost of the home study, the cost of the agency, those are up front. There will also be more costs when you go to travel to that city. Um, we were stuck in California for an inordinate amount of time, 27 days. 27 so, you know, to move around and we were also in a state where we didn't know when we could leave. And that's how you'll be in this scenario is you don't know when you can leave. It's when the state says you can leave. Um, and so that gets very expensive to just do Airbnbs for a few days or a week at a time. Um, for four weeks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we averaged about $1,000 a week in home um, rental. It was better than a hotel. Yep. So we were doing it, yeah, Airbnbs, and we just hopped every week, and then so food and all those where things. Where did we come up with this money, Scott? Because it didn't grow on a tree. Lots of saving that we had put together. Right. Uh, we didn't know we were saving for adoption at the time. Yes. Right. I mean, I don't, I didn't, you didn't. We knew we were saving. We were saving, and then we rolled some savings that we had saved for other things into what would become this, uh, you know, adoption fund, I guess for lack of a better term. Yeah, so it's something we'd been working on. Maybe we just didn't know about it for all of our marriage, really. From the yes. moment we got married, we started saving. Yep. Uh, we had designated saving accounts for various things. Some, you know, was cool things like travel, and some was an emergency fund, and some was just saving, like, for the future. And we tapped into some of that for this, right? Yes, and there are different ways you can save and get some money for it. Um, I will quickly touch on there is a big tax credit that has survived the recent tax cut changes um, that can uh, be a credit of about $13,500 that can come back to reduce these costs. Now, that is a credit. Uh, so you have to pay it up front and then you can get it back on your taxes later. Um, and it can be spread over five years and all these different things. Um, lots of nuances of that. Um, pretty easy to qualify for, but that is a help that the federal government provides. Um, which is always helpful in, in this process. I think bottom line is adoption costs a lot of money. It is not free. Um, I believe that there's some reform opportunities in the adoption space, but I also believe that social workers do a tremendous difficult, tremendously difficult job, as do lawyers that communicate from state to state, as does providing um, – Whatever the agreement is to help the birth mother, whether that's the last trimester or after the child is born for a certain amount of time, there are things that cost money that I don't think we'll ever be able to reduce because we are forever grateful for the lawyers on both sides, for the birth mother, for our social workers. We had five social workers over the course of the year, not even six-month process that we went through. And those people deserve to get paid. <laughs> so it's not free because it takes a, a village to make it happen. Yeah. But as we said, people are very supportive. So if you have a network, first start saving yourself. Obviously, that's number one. Uh, but then uh, reach out to your network. If there are people who you know who want to help, even in, in the world of GoFundMe that we live in, there are lots of ways to get that done. Um, so and- don't let the money discourage you. Don't let the money prevent you from doing step one through seven. And don't let the money make you not experience the, the joy of parenthood. Well said. Well said. And on that note, we're going to end with a quote. And it's between two quotes this time, Scott. Can I give two quotes? Oh, this is episode two. We can break rules, right? Yeah, really well. well, Superman. Superman was adopted. That's quote number one. <laughs> <laughs> Superman was adopted. It's really deep. Uh, but the second one, parenthood. 
Parenthood requires love, not DNA. Full circle moment, what we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast. And on that note, that concludes this episode, episode two of Ready or Not, The Leap. As always, please send your feedback to feedback at readyornotpodcast.com and we will answer questions. And we'll see you next time here on Ready Ready or or Not. Not. This podcast was recorded in our closet studio in Midtown Memphis, Tennessee. Graphic design for this podcast created by Brody Kuhar, produced and edited by Lauren Reedy, and hosted by the OAM Network. For more information, visit theoamnetwork.com.